Alright, welcome back everybody to episode 10, double digit number 10 of the Hoosier Picks podcast. Uh, I'm Skyler, I'm joined here today by my co-host Regan. Regan, how are we doing today, bud? I'm doing fantastic, we're having a good day. Um, one thing I didn't need to bring up to the people is last week we had a, a top five segment of top five basketball players in the Big Ten over the last decade. Uh, there, were, there was one player who was, uh, some would call him contentious being on the list, others would call it stupidity. Um, I believe I had someone um, earlier today tell me that uh, moronic was the word that they thought of. But um, So I put out a poll to the Twitterverse and I said, uh, okay, is Aaron Kraft even a top 20 player? Now we know he's not a top 5, so saying he was top 5 is, is extreme. Um, so I said... Okay, let's broaden it. Is he even a top 20 player in the last decade? Because we know he was the sixth man of the year, which means he wasn't even a top five player on his own team, let alone in the whole conference in 10 years. The Twitter universe has spoken, and Aaron Kraft, by 60% vote, is not a top 20 player in the last decade, let alone a top five player. So, Skyler, let's go back to you. Do you have any more outrageous, outlandish, or wonderful takes for the listeners? Uh, no. I stand by what I said. Sounds like it was a very good poll. Looks like there was a lot of uh, votes. Looks like it moved the needle. I will not I will not apologize for moving the needle. You know? Bold. I'll, I'll, I will admit, looking back at it and looking at Aaron's numbers, his offense could have been a little bit better. Yeah. And I think I'm such a hard-nosed defensive uh, minded player, because that's about all I got to my game. I really enjoyed that out of him. So I will not let's take him off of my top five, but I would reconsider if we did another okay. another top five. Let, let's let's address a couple things. First of all, defense and you never went in the same category. Okay, in football you played offense and holder. In baseball you are not known for your defense. You are known for being able to get hit by pitches. And in basketball, you were a shooter. So defense wasn't involved in any of that. And second of all, I think the only reason you like Aaron Kraft is because his cheeks got red when he played like yours. So, with that being said, can you give us something? Just give, give us something we need to hear. Did you know that there are 15 road teams playing this week? That's usually what happens when there's 15 games, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that there are seven road favorites right now that are the betting favorite? Seven. So seven teams are favorited, and oh. the public is also betting on them. Yep. I did not know that. I read this article on Bet Indiana, and um, some interesting facts are pointed out. And so I started looking at the numbers. 
88% of the public is on Minnesota at LA. Um, coincidentally, 80% of the public is on Seattle minus six versus Carolina. So that right there tells you something about the public. They don't know shit. So let me give you a little bit of something to maybe make up for my Aaron Craft. Let me give you a little bit of something to maybe make up for my Aaron Craft take. I'm looking at Jacksonville plus five at Oakland. I'm going against the public using their own method. Um, I forget what Jacksonville opened up at, but Jacksonville is is either got Gardner Minshew. I don't know right now. I don't know. I'm all aboard the Minshew mania. All I know is I'm going up against like four guys for. Um, that play for Jacksonville in fantasy football, and they're all projected to do well. So I'm just banking on if I lose fantasy football, maybe I win money on that Jacksonville game. Hedging, good. <laughs> I am nice. hedging. And then the other one's definitely a homer pick, but the Colts are plus nine down in New Orleans. I'm not looking at the nine as much as I am the money line. I've got a free $5 pick, and it's plus 300 right now. With the Indy Special, if you put that in there, I guess, maybe um, – Maybe the Colts can pull this out, but I'm gonna no. look, I'm gonna look at the money line for the Colts as a free play, just just to give you guys a little bit of something out there. I've thought that for the last seven weeks. And I know. I've been thoroughly disappointed. I know. I just it's been a disappointing season, and I'm trying to stay positive. And well, we need a little we need a little optimism in our lives. Have you thought about the draft yet, and what the Colts might want to take? Um. Uh, they need a receiver. That's. I had a, I had a good long conversation about this. I said they need to take a receiver as well. It's a deep wide receiver draft. I, um, I haven't done any research on the draft. I'm not sold on Brissett by any means, but they're bad at receiver with with, with Ty out. They they need yeah. somebody to throw it to, and I don't know if they're going to be in a situation to take a good receiver or not. I don't have any idea. I haven't done any research, but with they need a receiver with Paris Campbell going on the IR. And this being a deep receiver draft, that should, I don't know, might worry Paris Campbell. Um, all right, I said NFL playoffs. I meant to say the college football playoffs. Um, you've been monitoring the lines. We talked a little bit about it last week. Those big games are played on December 28th, right? Correct. Okay. Give me give me what you got on those, those uh, two games. Well, all right. I'm just going to say December 28th is probably the best – day of college football we'll have this year. That might be a little bold, um, but you think about the um, Ohio State-Clemson game. Um, I'm, I'm liking the Ohio State money line right now. I think they're the best team in the country. They're getting two points, so you can actually get the money line at plus money. I don't think taking plus two here does you much. Um, of course, there is a chance they win by one, but I really like Ohio State plus money. Um, this is one of those situations where where I've been. I would normally be on the other side and say, "Man, Vegas must know something." To have Clemson as the favorite when everyone's going around saying Ohio State's the best team in the country, you know, Vegas must know something. But I like Ohio State in this situation. And then the LSU Oklahoma line is is kind of mind boggling. LSU opened I think at eleven, and they're up to thirteen and a half which is an outrageous number for the one versus four team. Um, and that one, I, I, I don't think I could bet against LSU in that situation. I think Oklahoma's defense cannot keep that game. Uh, they can't stop LSU. Oklahoma's offense could keep the game close. 
if that game were to be close, we're looking at a 42-35 game. But I, I don't see I don't see any way LSU doesn't score 28 points. You know, I could easily see him putting up 50. So, I don't know. I'm leaning LSU in that game. Um, I won't place any bets on any of these games for a while, but I like LSU. Now, there's two other games that day. Notre Dame, Iowa State, which maybe because of my allegiance to the Irish, I'm kind of looking forward to that game, but Notre Dame's minus three and a half, and uh, the way I bet, it would scream out, take Iowa State, but... Iowa State is nowhere near as good as Notre Dame. And if Notre, if all of Notre Dame's guys play, um, I think they win by two touchdowns. I, I don't think this is close. I think it's a, I think it's a shellacking if Notre Dame's guys play. And I don't think they have too many guys that are legit first-round picks, maybe a couple guys on the defensive line. So I, I do think they all play. I love Notre Dame in, in that spot at three-and-a-half. Then the fourth game that day, there's only four games, is Memphis against Penn State. Penn State opened it at nine and a half point favorites, and it's down to six and a half. That's a line I'm probably going to monitor pretty closely. I really like Memphis in that game getting points. If that game gets to seven and a half or more again, then I will I will take Memphis. They're at six and a half plus six and a half. If it gets to seven and a half. I will 100% be on Memphis. And I could still be on them at 6.5 and, and maybe just do, you know, do a normal size bet on, on Memphis and then sprinkle a little bit on the money line um, because I think Memphis is decent. So um, I'm looking forward to, to December 28th, and, and, you know, that's where I lean on all those games right now. Yep, um, those playoff games are going to be something to see. Um, LSU's defense – Oklahoma's defense, just two different animals. So, did what you say last week, LSU might score 98 or 100? Okay. I, I think that's what you said. I, I'm just still riding that train. I do have one question for you real quick, and we got to touch on it because it's going to happen tonight, um, and it'll happen by the time the podcast comes out. But let's look like some geniuses. Joe Burrow Heisman? Yep. We've been saying that for a while, though. Yeah. I think we said that. Five or six weeks ago. Yeah, but I I truly think we were the first ones on that with the uh, the before the national media picked up. Actually, shout out Tommy. I, I believe Tommy and I discussed that one week, and, and uh, we were on Joe Burrow for the Heisman. Um, do you? Oh, here's a note that I forgot to say early. Um, the public, twelve out of those fifteen games, the public is on the road team. Twelve out of the fifteen. And seven of those, 12, the road team is the favorite. So tomorrow could be an NFL day of, well, today when the, when you're listening. Yeah. Could be a day of betting the home team? Bet the home team. Okay, yeah. I'll remember that. I probably won't um, yeah. even play the games because the NFL has uh, royally bent me over this year. But um, good good insight. That that Colts plus 300, free bet. Money line, baby. They're a road team. <laughs> Do you want to see everything we just said? Do you want to? Yeah, remember we're going against the, but we're going against the public on those two picks, on the Colts money line and then the Jacksonville plus five. Let's jump into college basketball. <laughs> I know you're talking about. Let's, okay, let's go into college basketball. This is let's not get off topic, Reagan. Let's let's uh, let's talk college basketball. Let's do it. What do you want? I got 
Do we want to do we want to recap IU real quick? IU's coming off a pretty pretty up and down roller coaster week. Okay. Since West I, I need to I need to I need to talk to the IU fans real quick. Hoosier Nation, listen up. All six of you. Okay. Ride the roller coaster. Ride the roller coaster. You go to. Wisconsin, you lay an egg, get beat by a thousand at the Kohl Center like they've done for twenty years straight. Minus one was never, never close. You go to Madison Square Garden, you have an emotional game. You you ride the wave and you come out and you beat an average UConn team, but you feel good about it. You come back home against a team projected to go 0 and twenty in the Big Ten, and you have to beat them in overtime at home. Okay, shooting five to twenty five from three. Ride the roller coaster, okay? There will be peaks, yeah, and there will be valleys, okay? Now, when when the the Michigans and the Marylands and the Ohio States, and especially when the Purdue's come to town, Assembly Hall is a whole nother animal. You'll get Devontae Green kicking in shots. You'll get Trace Jackson Davis and Justin Smith pulling out shots with their off hand that they've never shot before and it goes in. That's the magic of Assembly Hall. Ride it out. They're going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to be okay. I had people telling me today, I use not even going to make the tournament. They're 10-1 and one now. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. And I called them crazy. They're going to be all right. They just got to finish about 500 in the Big Ten. Ironically, half their games are at home in the Big Ten. So finish 500 in the how, Big Ten. I think that's how the math works out. Thank you. 15 road games good. this week, too. <laughs> good with numbers. Okay. Right out IU, they'll be all right. Now, another note since we're talking Big Ten. The Big Ten in conference or yeah, in conference play this week, the home teams were 11 and 0. Okay? I think that's a sign for the for, for the whole year. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten is going to finish, you know, 18 and 0 or what however many conference games. I think there's 18. So, you, you saw some lines this week. For those of you that are betting college basketball, you know, Maryland is on the road at uh, Rutgers, was it? And they were, Rutgers, or no, Rutgers hosted Wisconsin. Rutgers was, was favored by one, and everybody thought, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Everybody take Wisconsin. Rutgers wins. Uh, no, Maryland was Penn State. Penn State's favorite. Everybody's thinking, well, what in the world? Penn State wins. Man, uh, Michigan goes and plays at Illinois. Illinois' favorite. Everybody thinks, well, Michigan's going to win. Illinois wins. So that's a betting trend for those of you um, looking for a little trend going into conference season. Now, I know their conference games don't pick up until after the new year, but that's something to remember. Big Ten playing uh, at home is, is, a, is a different animal. So, um, you know, be, be aware of that when you're betting. But I still think the Big Ten, Big Ten is the best league in the nation. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's at least two weeks into the season right now. That's still the that's still the mantra. There's actually been more than two weeks in the basketball season. Two, three weeks, whatever. A um, um, month and a half. But I yeah, mean, okay. I mean, like real basketball. Oh, okay. Um, let me. Uh, you were talking about IU and how people were, you know, need to ride the roller coaster. There's like flashes of a good team or a great team there. They just got to put it all together, and it's like a you know it's like a machine. You you want to get moving and momentum going at the right time. Like right now, you don't want to be. I mean, maybe you do want to be firing on all cylinders, but you want to be get going 
right there at the, at the middle sure. towards the start of uh, Big Ten season. Sure. Towards the Big Ten tournament, towards the, the, the bracket. So, um, yeah. I, we, we talked about it in our group text. You know, people were blowing us or were going crazy talking about the offense can't score when they scored, what, 96 points last night? Yeah. So, it, they're, they're finding ways to score. It's definitely an inside game right now because they don't – I don't know if they could jump out of a boat and hit water. Um, Again, it was one night. IU always struggles to get motivated for a, a bad team at home. And you can give me you can give me all the excuses. Well, you're a college basketball player getting a full-ride scholarship. You should be motivated. They're humans. They're not always motivated, and, and sometimes – the ball doesn't fall, but those games when they're playing big teams in assembly, that more shots fall. Ride the wave, ride the roller coaster. I think that Archie right now, this is what he was doing early on when we were playing the Princetons and the, I don't know, whoever the hell we were playing early on, like those cupcake games. They were going low. They were wanting Trace and Justin to battle inside um, it, it, until the shooting does come around, and it will, like you said, the basket gets wider in assembly hall. Um, what do we want to move on to? Do we I, I got a couple. I got to give my philosophy on college basketball. Okay. Future bets. Okay. So last year, a little background. Um, throughout the year, I, I uh, close to Christmas time, I found five teams that I thought could win it all. So it kind of you know you look at the top ten, the top fifteen teams in the nation. And I almost worked backwards and kind of eliminated some teams. So I thought, you know what, I don't think Duke can win. I don't think the makeup of this team shooting 29% from three could win it all last year. So I went through and I picked five teams, and I had them all at plus 900 or plus 1,000, all the way up to plus 1,400 to win it all. And I had five teams, and then one of the teams was Virginia. I think I had them at plus 1,000. Um, to win it all, and of course they did, so I ended up winning money on that. Um, <clears throat> so if you are interested in something like that, I have found four teams this year that I think are capable of winning it all. And um, there's there's two things that all of these teams have in common. One, they defend, and two, they have a star. Okay, so here are my four teams. First is Kansas. I'm not. These aren't in order. I don't necessarily think Kansas is the best team in the country, but Kansas defends much better than a typical Kansas team. I think they're they're solid. And then as a as a in the middle, um, he can score. Um, now Dayton did show some weakness if you double team him. So I'm not saying that that they don't have kinks. I think everybody has kinks this year, but I think Kansas has potential to win it all. Uh, the conference Big 12s. Not great this year, although Texas Tech had a nice win recently. Uh, team number two, Louisville. Again, they defend, and they have a star. Jordan Nora might be the best player I've seen this year. He's, he's, he's the real deal. He's good. Chris Mack is a great defensive coach. The one thing that worries me with them, like, you know, Kansas had the downfall. If you double-team Azubuki, he's not a good passer. With Louisville, their offense is stagnant. Chris Mack is known for being a great defensive coach, but offensively, uh, they stood around way too much, and their their guards are not high, high-level guards. They're very quality guys. They don't turn it over a lot, and they're really good defenders, but their guards don't create very well. They got 
Um, Ryan McMahon, I think that's his name, strokes it, but their point guards aren't great at creators, so they rely on Nora to create. And then Enoch inside is actually really good. I think Louisville might have the best one-two punch. I love Enoch, the transfer from UConn. Nora's a stud, but they got to be able to score consistently if either of those two are having an off night. Third team, Midwest will like this one, the Buckeyes. Um, Chris Holtman, I think he solidified himself as, as a top five coach in the nation. I think he's unbelievable. Wesson, um, you know, he's in the best shape of his life. He can score. If he stays out of foul trouble, they're going to be in every single game. Um, I think they are now the clear favorites of the Big Ten. They might be the clear favorites to win it all. I mean, them in Kansas are going to be the teams getting the, the top two votes. So they're, they defend at an elite level. They are quality players at every position for them. So they're just really, really, really solid. And I think in a year when you have so many teams that are kind of on the same level, you don't have any team that's just way better than everybody else. Um, a team that doesn't kill themselves, and they never do. Ohio State never shoots themselves in the foot. Before you get to your fourth team, let me ask you a question. Why is there so much parity in college basketball? Why are we seeing these ones lose? Why, why are we not seeing that clear-cut number one? What is your, you know, is it recruiting? Is it, is it the lockdown on recruiting? Is it the way that things are being regulated? Is it players having a bigger voice and a, more decisions to go wherever they want? I would say yes to all of that. I think, I think coaches are doing a better job of recruiting. I think part of it, you know, you saw last year with Duke, they had all the big-time recruits. You know, three of the top four recruits or whatever went to Duke last year. Um, and you haven't seen teams, you know, or guys buddy up like that. And I think a lot of times um, kids are, are kind of more concerned about themselves necessarily than going to play for a school. So they want to go, okay, where can I go be the star? I'm not going to go to the same place that another five-star is going. I want to go somewhere where, where I'm the guy. So tradition's kind of out the window. Yeah, yeah. I think I think coaches are doing a great job of recruiting. I think there's been some regulations on recruiting, and um, I think maybe this might be a little outlandish, but some of those schools that may or may not have been uh, forking over a little cash with some bag men um, have kind of toned it down a little bit because of how hard the NCAA is investigating things. So um, not to mention any teams that I would say are probably guilty of that, but Duke and Kentucky are no longer, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else when it comes to recruiting. For example. Yeah, just two examples. For example. Yeah, just, just two completely random just teams that I happen to think of. Random. Yeah, just completely random. I'm I'm looking at the color blue. So, um, so I think yeah, there's I think there's more parity because I think the playing field's starting to be even, you know evening out. So, you know, it might come down a little bit more to you know good game plans and players executing is going to go a lot farther than just having elite players. You're number one. Not necessarily. Or well, you're you're one. last. You're but my last, last team is actually. Probably the opposite of my number one. It's a team that's not in the top five right now that I think is really, really good, and that's Oregon. Oregon's eight and two or nine and two, and a lot of people, you know, they've already got two losses. They can't be that good. Oh, they play in the Pac-12. They can't be that good. Peyton Pritchard is averaging like nineteen and a half points, 
Um, five assists, three steals. Uh, he's really good. He absolutely destroyed Michigan. Um, he single-handedly down the stretch. Um, Oregon had some ridiculous, like, seven straight possessions where they scored down the stretch, and he scored on, like, six of them. Xavier Simpson, I talked a couple weeks ago about him being, like, a stud. No, Peyton Pritchard ate his lunch in that game. So, <clears throat> Oregon defends really well. They, they can pressure you. They, they have a little press. They can play zone. They can play man. They can switch everything. They can throw some kinks at you. And they play in the Pac-12, so people aren't going to see them. You know, once Pac-12 starts, you know, Oregon's in, they're in their own little country over there. And, and people don't notice them, don't pay attention to them. And then March rolls around, and just like last year, I think they went to the Elite Eight. Um, they had a really nice run. So, <clears throat> Oregon's kind of my, uh, kind of off-the-radar team that I would look into. You had a, uh, you had a take on Michigan today. Um about them being overrated and the competition, you know, and who was your Big Ten preseason Big Ten champ? I said Michigan State because, you know, that was before Langford was announced out for the year. Um, But Michigan State, you know, they're struggling to find it, but with an Izzo coach team, you know, I think people will have no doubt that they will eventually come around. They got to shoot the ball a little bit better, but Aaron Henry is being projected as a top – uh, First-round pick, Cassius Winston's obviously really good. So uh, they, they got work to do, but I think they'll be all right. I do think Michigan's overrated. They went down to the, the Atlantis, and they beat North Carolina, who was ranked you know top five at the time. And now we are clear on knowing that North Carolina actually sucks. And I'm sorry if there's anyone out there that lives in Ohio that's a huge North Carolina basketball fan um, and a huge Notre Dame football fan and really loves – North Carolina, but they suck. Get over it. They're not good. I know you say they're young and developing, and Roy Williams is the man, and they have the best uniforms ever. They still suck. Get over it, and I still love you. Wow. Back to Michigan. They're they're solid, and they're going to win a lot of games, but they're not a top five team. That was like a Dear Abby poem. Um, more. There's plenty more where that came from. Well, that. <clears throat> And I guess my question today about Michigan, we had that conversation about them um, because they, they played and we, we had Oregon. And yeah. this, is, this is more or less a, um, a, a promo for our social medias. I mean, we had that pick, I don't know, it was like noon when you came up here. We had that pick at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half before the game actually started. So if you're not following us on our social medias um, or the Action Network, um, please do so. Get on there because... We're Actually, we went two and zero today because we had Wake Forest and Oregon. Um, those were those were my two biggest plays of the day. And those they, and those were the two plays that we put out there on social. So they, they were both plus money and both won outright. So if you if you put a little money on the money line too, you won. So definitely get on our social medias. Uh, who's your picks on both Twitter and Instagram? Um, Reagan, do you want to take a quick commercial break and come back with our bourbon beat of the week? Absolutely. Let's do it. Welcome back to uh, to our second installment of the Bourbon Beats of the Week. Uh, Skybox, what are you having over there? There is Basil Hayden. This was made for George Washington by people uh, like George Washington. 
who like to drink a nice Kentucky bourbon. Um, when Basil Hayden Sr. began distilling his smooth bourbon here in 1796 in Kentucky, it was four years old and George Washington, oh, so never mind, George Washington was president. He, it wasn't for George Washington. But this has been around a while. Very smooth, good Kentucky, Kentucky bourbon. Reagan, why don't you explain the beat of the week for everybody who might be new to the segment. Okay, so the beat of the week, um, it could mean a, a lot of things, but um, I think what we're kind of trending towards is just talking about a game that uh, potentially we bet on, maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but there was something ridiculous that happened to cost us to lose a game, so therefore we got beat and it's bad. This week's was bad. This isn't the worst I've ever experienced. Um, because there was a little luck beforehand, but it was bad. No, it was bad. It was bad because it was a lack of defense. It was a, it was a lack of aggression. It was a hand down, man down. I mean, I think, three point. I mean, it's, I think it's bad because it's a guy hit a 30 footer. Yeah. Well, the guy, the guy, that guarded, didn't matter. The, the guy guarding him still had his hand. I'm, I'm saying it was a bad beat. You want to tell him the game? Uh, yeah, it was Yale the other night. We had Yale at, um, well, it actually opened at minus three and a half. Um, I think I got in on it at minus four and a half. There's Papa John at the Kentucky game. Is he wearing blue? Yeah, he's wearing the UK shirt. Oh, my God. So I had Yale at minus four and a half. It actually got all the way up to minus five and a half. So whether you had it three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, Yale is up six in overtime, which we got a little lucky that they even got to overtime. But regardless... They're up six. They make a free throw to go up six. There's seven seconds left. UMass has the ball, comes down to court. UMass isn't running anything on offense. Yale's not playing anything on defense. It's just basically like your YMCA pickup game with seven seconds to go. So the common courtesy thing to do is just dribble the ball out, right? And then everybody goes on the winner. UMass has a selfish player that decides, you know what? I'm going to try to score. And he pulls up and shoots a 30-footer from straight away and drains a three with one second left. So all of us that had minus three and a half, four and a half, or five and a half, we all lose. Yale only wins by three. Yeah, the only good thing about that was that all of my friends had it too, so we all lost. That, that are, you, are, are you just saying you're a bad friend? Um, no, I'm saying like, you know, there was people to share the misery with. I guess we're gonna go. I'm not, I'm not wishing. Go, I'm not wishing you to lose. I'm. I'm wishing we all win. But if I had to lose, at least I got somebody to talk to. That's about. true. At least if you're going down, you're going down together. Well, that one was a bad beat. I will say that the kid that was guarding the shooter, it was a high. It was a. It was a ball screen, or he got picked. So he was coming over top of a pick. Maybe I'll blame the guy that should have hedged. Hedged on the. But you know. Just one of those things where you hope that the coach called us uh, 5 or 5.30 a.m. practice the next day, and they were just running up-downs until they were pure. Why would they? They just won in overtime on the road. Because they know how pissed off I am that I lost money. That's a dub stake. That's <laughs> like saying they're not practicing for a week. That call's terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you have on this? We're watching the Kentucky-Georgia Tech game right now live. I got Georgia Tech plus 14 and a half. They're down 14 with three minutes to go. Good oh, there we go. 
All right. We ready for our last segment? Yeah. So the Bourbon Beat of the Week was sponsored by Basil Hayden. Um, good Kentucky bourbon. Not not distilled for George Washington, but around the time he was president. Want to get into the top five? Let's do it. You want me to, to, to describe it for the for the listeners? Yeah. Give them, uh, give them a take. What did we do last week? Last week was the top five players in Big Ten basketball in the last decade. Oh, yeah. We are going to keep the Big Ten trend. We're not going to mention the moronic take from last week. We are going to keep it in the Big Ten and talk about the top five toughest gems to play in. I really think that we are going to differ big time on this because my list is is does not include some places that someone outside of a Big Ten country would factor in. I've got some a little off the wall, but but we're going toughest places to play in the Big Ten for a Big Ten opponent. So we, we ranked these this week. We, we haven't normally been doing this. We actually went one to five, and so we're each going to list our number one and then go down through the list all the way to number five. All right? Tell Being me. that I am the guest at your house, you go first. All right. Number one, hands down, not even a question, Assembly Hall. Assembly Hall, I'm taking it off the board. You can't have it. Uh, opened in 1971, one of the high, one of the uh, largest seating capacities, 17,400. It is a absolute ruckus in there. Some people say that that is where actually Southern Indiana tornadoes come from. When fans get in there and the tornadoes start <laughs> in Tornado Valley, I know it's biased. I don't give a shit, guys. It is Assembly Hall in Indiana, not the one in not the one in Illinois, but it. It just, all the iconic games that you can think of as an IU fan, you could, watching it on TV, you could feel the rumble at your house, before, even before we had, like, you know, nice subwoofers and, and surround sound, so, you're shaking your head. I mean, that's, I, I know. That's I know. a homer pick. It's a homer pick. Last week, I got, last week, I got my, my, I got my butt whipped for taking Aaron Kraft, who was... A little bit too over the line. Now I'm back. Now I'm back home, and I'm getting ridiculed for that. You're taking. I can't. I, I don't can't, even know I, where your line starts. Now I will say, you can't that, argue that that I that Assembly Hall in Big Ten play is a very difficult place to play. Yeah, it's very difficult. So I'm not going to say that you're a moron for that pick. That's not a moronic pick. Opened in 1971. But, but I am unbiased, and I think level-headed, and the toughest play to play. Place to play in the Big Ten in a big time game, and I hate to say this, is Mackey Arena. Okay. I went, I experienced last year, I think it was last year, um, Ohio State Purdue at Mackey. I think uh, Ohio State was ranked in the top 10. This might have been two years ago. Two years ago. Um, Ohio State was ranked in the top 10. Purdue was ranked uh, maybe 16th or 17th, and Ohio State didn't even have it. a chance. Um, Mackey Arena is, is there's not a bad seat in there. It's it's a round arena, um, it, great seats, very loud, um, and, and that is a very very difficult place to play. I think that's the toughest place to go on the road and win in the Big Ten. Do you know when it was opened? No, I didn't do my homework on on when it was opened. I just know that it's a brutal place to play, and IU may never win there again. 
1967, seats about 15,000. I'm pretty sure this is right. Um, What'd you say, IU host? IU was 17-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two two of the um, two of the top tier, you know, seating capacities right here in the state of Indiana. Mackey Arena was number three for me. We'll get there. We're going in order. No, I'm just saying. We're like, going to snake I, it. I, I like I'm going to go you, one, two, we'll snake it. Okay. So my second pick. That wasn't agreed upon. How the hell am I supposed to know that? Now we're doing a have you Have you ever done a fantasy football draft? I mean, we did not establish this was a snake draft. I thought this was a ping pong back and forth. <laughs> but now you're just changing the damn rules. Well, sometimes you got it. Okay, who's your number two? Change makes people Who's your number two? Assembly Hall. Okay. So I'm, that's why I'm not calling your number one a moronic pick. Assembly Hall is a tough place to play. Now, again, we're not saying the best arenas. We're not saying the nicest arenas. We are saying the toughest to play. Assembly Hall, fans are on top of you. Literally, the bleachers go like straight up. They are on top of you. It's tough to shoot there because the the ends are not near as deep as most other arenas. So it is very difficult to come into Assembly Hall and win. And, you know, the place the place gets loud. Yeah. There's usually a mad rush to your seats when those doors open. Um, one thing about Assembly Hall, if you do get those nose, those nosebleeds way up there, that's where it's awesome. real steep, if, if you were somebody that's – if you've ever been to, like, a cathedral or, like, a um, – uh, like a theater for like a big orchestra, one of those type seats. People pass out at those levels. Oh my! To, it, it is nerve wracking up there. You you think you're gonna just fall straight down onto the floor? I've been to Cathedral High School. Does that count? Um, I'll give it to you. Okay, your number two. My number two, uh, the Cole Center in Wisconsin. Um, it's that that was kind of just that IU game last week. Um. Minus one, I'm still, I still feel like an idiot for taking it. And then all you guys are like, well, no shit, we haven't won there in like 20 years. So a little bit of recency bias, but still, Wisconsin's a tough team, uh, a tough team at home, especially under Bo Ryan. Uh, but the guy they got there now, I, I, his name eludes me, but I'm pretty sure he's a disciple of Bo Ryan. So yes. he brings the same mentality there. Um, tough place to play. Um, Wisconsin's just a good, hard-nosed team. Just, I mean, yep. They're that's probably the one school where their football team matches their basketball team, and their basketball team matches their football team. Oh well, Ohio State this year. Okay. But okay. but over the years, right. over the years, yeah. consistently, I would say Wisconsin's yeah. basketball and football teams match up. Okay, oh, I respect that pick. Being a Buckeye fan is huge this year with their football, basketball, and their women's basketball. I think they just beat some top-ranked team, but um, must that, be cool. Now, now if we're doing the snake draft, my number three was Mackey Arena. Sure. You had some very good points. I would say um, great place to see a game because there's no championship banners. No. <laughs> there's there's no view blocking. That was good. That was um, good. So I will concede my third pick so that you can move on to yours. Well, ironically, we have the same top three but in different order because I had the Cole Center as number three. You know, you – I don't know if there's ever been a Big Ten game at the Kohl Center where it wasn't snowing outside. You know how they always show the, the like, I just won this. I had plus 14 and a half, and, and Georgia Tech they just loses by 14. That's huge. 
Um, but anytime they show the follow us on the on the socials, I had that post it. Anytime they show one of those like on Big Ten Network game like of the teams walking into the arena at uh, the Kohl Center, it's always snowing. So you're going to a place that's freezing cold. You had to take a plane trip to get there because it's not close to anything, you know. And Wisconsin's really good at home. They have good fans. Um, they they just they don't lose there. So. All right, the this is where I get a little crazy. Four and five for me are, are a little crazy. My fourth toughest place to play is the Xfinity Center, Maryland's place. And you're probably thinking, what? Well, first of all, the students at Maryland are nuts. Um, well, they're terrapins. <laughs> okay, Buckeyes. The Maryland fans go crazy during the games. Um, that, that's a raucous environment. That's another long road trip for almost every Big Ten team outside of Rutgers and Penn State. Long road trip against really good fan base that has really good basketball tradition. And if it wasn't for Mark Turgeon, they would be really well coached. You know, it's a tough place to play. They're really good this year, which adds to it. I think I think the Xfinity Center, you know, ranks right up there. I think it's a, it's a it's a good good quality building. Student sections are next level, um, and they're good. And, and you factor in a long road trip, that makes it a difficult place to play. That's a new that's a newer building too, so it, it kind of has the, um, you know, like the uh, the Seattle Seahawks, how their arena was built to like amplify sound. Yeah. It's one of those new arenas. I was when we were doing this. I was reading some. I was doing some research, and Xfinity was up there. <clears throat> I didn't end up putting it on my list, but I, I I saw the reasons that you put it on there, and that was one of the points that they were making. But it just gets loud as hell in there yep. during a basketball game. Was that three? That was four. That was four. So do you, is it? You're, yeah, you're up. All you're right. Four. Four. I just went with a conventional. Um, I went with the Breslin Center, just basically off of Tom Izzo. Yeah, sure. Um, Tom Izzo is set, has won 72. I, I spent probably like 40 minutes of this research of like the hour that I did for this was trying to figure out what Tom Izzo's home record was. I just couldn't find it. But he has a 72 winning percentage on all his games. And hell, if half of those are at home, he's probably winning like 15, 16, 20 games at home. Tom Izzo, just based off of his... 70% winning percentage, he's probably whooping some ass at home. Yep. So I went ahead and just put the Breslin Center. Opened in 1989, seats 15,000. Good place. All right, yeah. last round, fifth round. The place that Magic built. Like a magician build or Irvin Magic Johnson? A magician. Oh, okay. All right, fifth round, you're back up, Snake. Um... My fifth round, now this is like, this was a hard one for me. Um, Tom Izzo pretty much solidified four for me. Um, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota, kind of on the same reasons that you said uh, Wisconsin. I feel like Minnesota, every time they show a game there at the barn, which was built in 1928 and seats 14,600, um, it always seems like a cold place to play there. I do not like their coach. I'm not a Patino fan. Um, he, he kind of, I think he's turned that program around just a little bit. He hasn't done much there, but I'm going to go with Minnesota. It was between Minnesota or Illinois, but I don't know if it's called Assembly Hall or State Farm Center, 
So I've left them off my list. Can I just tell you that before I give you my fifth pick, that Minnesota's place would probably be on my list number 14 out of 14. Right. I think that's the easiest place to win a road game. They're so irrelevant. I saw a lot of Penn State. So, I don't know. It was, it was, it was a tough list, like I said. I'll, maybe I'll throw in Illinois. Champ, you know the State Farm. I just all center. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have cared if you picked Illinois because I think that is a tough place to play. You know they're orange. Um, they have a great fan base. You know. Uh, you know. They're, they're, they have the whole state of Illinois. Um, but Minnesota, like when when for instance IU plays in Minnesota, I'm like, oh no, IU has no chance to win in Minnesota. I think. Okay, IU has a neutral site game against Minnesota. They just have to travel for it. That's number 14 on my list. All right, number five on my list. You, you could probably say the same thing that I just said to you. You know, number five, you might say, well, Reagan, you better pick, you know, Michigan State. You better pick Michigan. They always win at home. They, they always have really good numbers at home. We, we didn't talk about the teams that win the most on the home, at, at home. We said... The team, the toughest places to play. Now, when I say, Skybox, when I say to you, it's a Saturday afternoon, IU's got a 2 o'clock game, and it's on Channel 4 of local cable, who do you think they're playing? I go back to my childhood, and I think of the Crispin brothers. Okay. And I think there's no shot. That IU wins. Because the Bryce Jordan Center at Penn State is number five on my list. The Bryce Jordan Center is a brutal place to play. I literally just said that my last one was like, oh, I saw a bunch of Penn State being the dead last one. No. I think Penn State's (laughs) the opposite. And here's why. Number one, the Crispin Brothers. Okay. Joe and John. You know your history a lot better than I do. I'll give you that shit. So don't, you know, don't bring up. Should I know who the Crispin brothers are? Yeah, they were twins. They were about six foot tall guards that were twins, Joe and John. Played at Penn State. Played at Penn State, and <laughs> their teams were so bad, and those two took every shot. <laughs> so they were fun to watch. Ball hogs. Um, okay, sorry. But here's a reason I factored in Penn State. When you go play at Penn State, and they, sh- they pan out to the crowd... There's like 200 people at the game. It's the worst attended game ever. So, again, it's another game that you have to travel a little bit of ways. It's always cold. And then you play in front of absolutely no one. When you go to the Breslin Center, when you go, um, you know, when you go to the Mackeys and Assemblies, you're always, you know what you're getting into. You know you're going to have fans that are crazy going nuts. Mm-hmm. When you go to the Bryce Jordan Center... It's the opposite. Some of these guys haven't played in gyms this quiet since middle school. You think some of these guys that, that play high school basketball in Indiana or, or play in places that they they actually care about basketball in high school, they haven't played in, a, in an arena as quiet as Penn State since middle school. And they've got to go play a Big Ten game there. Some of IU's worst losses in my lifetime have been games they were double-digit favorites at Penn State, and they lost 
because you can't go to Penn State on a Saturday at one in the, one in the afternoon or three in the afternoon and get motivated to play. So from the standpoint of toughest places to play, I put Penn State at number five because it is so hard to motivate yourself in front of no one. I should have used that argument for, for Minnesota. Good pick. That's why I let you go first on the last round. <clears throat> Let's, well, we were doing ping pong, or we were doing snake. Um, yeah, so pretty pretty similar list there at the beginning. And then towards yeah, the top end, threes were the same, yeah, four and fives couldn't have been more different. Couldn't have been more different, and for very different reasons as well. Um, well, what uh, what else we got? Um, I think that's all I had. Okay. You want to just end the podcast? Probably a good idea, yeah. All right. Hey, I will say next week we, we may have to factor in for our top five something Christmas related. Speaking of next week, uh, we're going to be recording on Thursday. Uh, that's the plan right now. We're going to have a Crossroads Classic Special uh, come out. We'll have that for you on uh, Friday. Definitely by Saturday, but probably Friday for your morning drive to work. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll get that taken care of. Uh, we're going to have a couple extra buddies in the house to get little different perspectives from every team and uh, get you ready for uh, the classic weekend. Anything else, Reagan? That's all I got. All right. Have a good one, guys. See you.